Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Implant Games Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Genthy, and I've got a great show lined up for you today. So, like always, let's go ahead and get started with the news. Uh, Eurogamer actually reported on a bunch of uh, Nintendo NX rumors today, so I just kind of want to run down those to start off the show. The NX, of course, being the code name or what we all call Nintendo's next system. Uh, so Euro, most of these are not new in any way, shape, or form, but uh, it's, they're claiming that they're from confirmed sources, so time will tell. Um, so the first one is the NX will be portable. Uh, this, of course, has been a rumor for a long time. There were even some uh, fake uh, mock-ups, I believe, posted on Reddit um, and then revealed to be fake, uh, suggesting this was going to actually be uh, some sort of portable device. Um, the next piece of news is that uh, we'll have a detachable controller. Um, and then it will have a dock uh, that you can place the NX on to hook it up to your TV and then use the controller part as a normal controller. Um, I'm trying to wrap my head around how that could possibly exist. Um, I don't know if the controller would uh, act like a dock um, and then you would slide the device into the top. I'm not real sure. Uh, another idea or some way I saw it working is maybe the two pieces, two halves of a controller. Like, think of a Wii U. If you could take each side of the controller off of the screen and then attach it together outside of the screen, uh, maybe that would be how it works. I'm not sure. I don't believe any controller exists that kind of exists as two halves. The only thing I could really think of was the DJ Hero controller, uh, where you could put, um, it worked for left or right-handed people. So you could take the, basically, how would I want to say that? You could attach it two different ways for left-handed and right-handed people. Uh, the next piece of news, which would be the most disappointing for um, a lot of people, is the rumor is that it's going to be powered by the NVIDIA Tegra processor. Now, this is a mobile processor or a mobile GPU or a mobile CPU GPU. I'm not really into cell phone hardware, so I'm a little rusty or I don't really know what that means. Um, uh, but basically what that would mean is it's not something that would be able to compete with the with the PlayStation 1 or Oh, the PlayStation 4 or the Xbox One. Um, obviously, it's a mobile device. If it was a mobile device, having a mobile processor or, or a mobile GPU would make the most sense. I'm, I'm not sure. Gosh, it's just a real weird decision so far, if it all holds out to be true. Uh, the next rumor that they've claimed to confirm is that it would use, uh, not, they use the word cartridges to conjure up the image of Game Boy games, but obviously these would be cards, like an SD card or a Vita game or something in that lines, um, and there would be no optical disc. Um, again, if it is a portable handheld style device, that would make sense. Um, the PlayStation Portable had an optical drive. Um, I don't, I can't think of any other handheld type of device that actually had a CD-ROM drive. It, you know, it hasn't existed in laptops for years because they use a lot of power. Um, they also threw out there that the average cart or average card size would be 32 gigabytes. Um, that would be bigger than a single layer Blu-ray. Obviously, smaller than a double layer Blu-ray would be less storage than uh, like a current uh, Wii U disc, for example, which I think is just basically a Blu-ray. It feels the same as a Blu-ray. Uh, they claim there's no plans for backwards compatibility. That would be a step 
Uh, there would be a change in direction for them. The Wii could play GameCube games. The Wii U could play Wii games. And I think you can hack or mod your Wii U to play GameCube games as well. Uh, no Android. It would be Nintendo's own operating system. Um, this, I don't know if it's true or not, but the device is going to be actually revealed in September. And then, of course, we know officially the device is launching uh, March of next year. So I think that if Nintendo can continued to try and do what Sony and Microsoft do, I think they would continue to fail. Um, I don't think PlayStation 4 owners or Xbox One owners are going to uh, ditch their platform of choice to go with Nintendo's offering. I can't imagine a single scenario uh, where that would exist. The, the people, a majority of the people that play Wii U Gosh, how am I going to word this without offending somebody? They're just, they seem like two different markets to me. I don't know a lot of people that own a Wii U and a PlayStation 4 or Xbox One, and I don't know a lot of people that own a uh, an Xbox One or a PlayStation 4 that also own a Wii U. Obviously, there's overlap. There's always people that buy all of the systems, but I think it would be fair to say, generally speaking, uh, over the last decade, people have pretty much picked their horse and aren't going to be changing anytime soon. Again, plenty of exceptions to that rule, but I think generally speaking, that's pretty safe. I think the only way I don't, Nintendo's obviously a profitable company and they'll continue to be a profitable company. You know, they're very fiscally responsible. It's not like Sony who has some pretty awesome highs and some pretty, you know, brutal lows. You know, that's just, they've always been a very volatile company, especially when you throw their video game uh, into the mix. Um, obviously, they have other businesses. You know, their cell phone business didn't really pan out. Their TV business is winding down. You know, they're not a leading laptop manufacturer. So, you know, they've, they've, they've been struggling for a long time. Microsoft, you know, with their new president has been doing pretty good uh, with shifting uh, the company away from Windows and Office as we traditionally know it and moving forward with, uh, you know, things as services and uh, the cloud, of course. And uh, I'm sure all they really care about when it comes to the Xbox One is how many subscriptions, you know, how many Xbox Live subscriptions they can sell. That's their business. The service aspect is the business. Um, but Nintendo, you know, they've done pretty well riding the Game, game Boy. Uh, oh, what am I trying to say? They've been doing pretty well with the DS, you know, from the Game Boy on. Anytime they've had a hardware console, you know, leg issues, that handheld market has always been there to kind of keep the company afloat. Um, so maybe it makes sense to, to stop, you know, trying to think of a game console in a traditional way. You know, we see companies like Capcom and Konami and many, many others struggling for a long time or even closing completely. Uh, why continue to beat that dead horse? If, you know, there are a ton of independent developers or even just big developers that stick with the mobile space. Why not build a console that can attract that new wave of talent instead of making a console, you know, that's in a dying industry or a slowing industry. Why not move in a, in a different direction and try something completely different? Um, maybe it's not going to have the big AAA titles, you know, every quarter. Um, but, you know, we look at Pokemon Go, how many how much money they've made off that game and how many downloads that game has. Uh, you know, we look at Angry Birds, um, whatever else people play on cell phones. I have no idea. Perhaps those are the developers that Nintendo should be trying to court. And, and maybe they're, you know, they're, they're turning a corner and trying something completely different. Um, 
maybe those are the type of people that would be interested uh, in this type of device that don't currently game on consoles. I don't know. Um, or it could all just be totally made up. Who knows? It's just rumors. So that's the NX news. Um, yeah, that's about all I have to say. Um, I hope it's revealed in September. I don't know how true that is. I don't ever remember reading that before. I don't even know what event happens in September that that would be revealed at, but maybe they'll have their own. We shall see. All right, so I'm going to introduce the next news story with a comment. This was a public comment left on the YouTube channel, um, <laughs> and it kind of made my day. So hopefully it makes yours as well. So this comes from viewer Robbie Sabo. So dude, Sonic Mania, it looks phenomenal. It goes, see, I didn't write this right. I think it's got the right team behind it too. Christian Whitehead's Sonic Engine is amazing, and that's what this uses. Are you pumped? Tears literally welled in my eyes when the gameplay in that trailer started. We're getting a classic Sonic game by people who arguably know Sonic games better than anyone else. They've put on than anyone else. They've put on a 2D game since the originals. So I apologize. I kind of slaughtered that, but it made me smile for a number of reasons. One, uh, it's fun to get excited about a Sonic game, and then it reminded me a lot of uh, quite a few stories. So I'm going to share what makes my eyes well up. Um, whenever I watch the original Dreamcast launch commercials, not the a cat just vomited behind me. So that's so nasty. Uh, so what gets my eyes welled up? Uh, the Dreamcast launch commercials, not the not the weird futuristic uh, live action one, but the uh, the one where they kind of take the camera and dive into the Dreamcast and talk about how it's thinking and what it might be thinking inside. So the NFL 2K one with Randy Moss, and then the uh, the classic football player talking about what it was like to play football on the Genesis versus the Dreamcast. I just makes me feel something and then same goes for that launch sonic adventure commercial uh where sonic is speeding along he's a dj and then he starts speeding along in the record and there's just something really magical and special about those and whenever i watch them it brings me right back to 1999 and being really excited for a new sega console um, being 16 years old and you know life being a lot different than it is now so those are what gets me welled up the sonic mania which is the name of the upcoming 2d game uh didn't have that same effect for me i thought it was really cool um as far as the sonic engine uh done by christian whitehead uh, i did review sonic cd for the xbox 360 a few months back and uh, it is a pretty awesome game engine. So it is like if the original Sonic games were still pixelated yet built for widescreen. And then because it is a port or a brand new engine, um, it feels it feels really good. I, I haven't played these on iOS or Android. I believe the only one available on consoles was Sonic CD. So Sonic 1 or Sonic 2 uh, were not available for download for some reason. And I don't think they ever made Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Um, and this might be why. Maybe they moved on to Sonic Mania and that was the end of it. Um, so I know anybody in the Sonic community is going to be super pumped. People really enjoyed those ports. Uh, rather than just emulating the Genesis version, they were redone correctly the right way from scratch, maybe from scratch. They were just done right, and that's really exciting. So it will be co cool to see a new game built on that classic engine that has already proven itself as a winner. I don't know why it didn't do anything for me. I think it's because... I've played so many 2D Sonic games that it just, it's old hat at this point, right? It's the same reason that people don't get excited over a new Super Mario Brothers game. 
Um, you know, nobody bought a Wii, despite the fact there was a really awesome new Super Mario Brothers uh, U on the system. Nobody cared. Um, and that might be what's happening to me. Maybe I just... A new 2D Sonic game, you know, what is there left to do? It feels like it's all been done. So that didn't quite capture my attention. Um, plus, you know, I'm still working my way through Sonic Advance 1, and I'm sure there's a few others. I haven't even played the Sonic uh, Sonic the Hedgehog Episode 4, or whatever they called it. Like, there's still other 2D Sonic games I haven't even gotten to, uh, just because I can't be bothered. Um, but I'm sure, you know, the internet blew up over this. I Maybe I'm probably in the minority of about not being excited but that's how i feel about it but it's cool that other people are excited i think back when sonic boom was announced and we saw you know the americanized or whatever you want to call it sonic characters you know sonic tails amy and knuckles all kind of like derpy and weird and nobody was excited for that so it is fun to see the community as a whole have that hope again um so awesome and it's you know not being done by dimps or anybody else that can screw it up it's being done by um, you know, people that know how to make a 2D Sonic game. So that's really cool. However, they also announced what Sonic Team was going to be working on. Now, I've heard this called two things, um, Project uh, 2017 or Sonic 2017. I don't, I swear that's what the YouTube video said, Project 2017, but it seems like uh, the community has decided to call it Sonic 2017. So this is an all new 3D game from Sonic Team, and this trailer did it gave me goosebumps. Watching it was kind of ridiculous, um, and that got me super, super excited. So basically, if you haven't seen the trailer, um, it opens with Sonic uh, and then kind of like a wide shot into what's happening in the world. And the world basically looks like, um, you know, it's been taken over by some by Dr. Eggman. And there's these huge, massive uh, Dr. Eggman walkers kind of patrolling the streets. And, uh, oh, there was this show... I think it was on TBS that kind of reminded me of the same thing. But anyway, uh, what it reminded me of was the Terminator where, you know, you have that opening shot where it's like, oh, man, the humans are gone. The robots took over. Um, or it reminded me of that first shot from Jurassic World. Like you can remember that shot in Jurassic World where they kind of show the park and you're like, oh, my God, they made the park. It, they did it. You know what they've been talking about for 20 years since the original Jurassic Park. They finally did it. And that's what I felt when I saw this trailer. I'm like, oh, my God, Eggman, he did it. He finally accomplished this goal that he's been, you know, spent the last 25 years trying to accomplish. And I don't know why that struck a chord with me. I guess it's because. Because that's the first time it's something new we've never seen what happens when Eggman wins like all of these years we have never really seen that before um, so that was new and exciting and it was like oh my gosh <laughs> he did it he made it um, and then it also showed uh, classic Sonic as well kind of a nod back to Sonic Generations um, Arguably the last uh, truly great Sonic game. I would argue that Sonic Colors was better. Um, I also really dug Sonic Lost World a lot more than Generations. But uh, again, I'm in the minority and uh, most people seem to prefer uh, Sonic Generations. They hold that up on a pedestal as the best 3D Sonic game. Alright, so that I think is also coming next year, but... I forgot the trailer already. I'm sorry, guys. So awesome comment. Thank you so much. That's my thoughts on Sonic Mania. That's my thoughts on Project 2017. And uh, yeah, next year is going to be pretty awesome. New hardware from all three companies, uh, new Sonic games, new Zelda game. I mean, what more could you ask for? It's going to be awesome. Um, so at this point, I was going to not... Um, 
what am I trying to say? I've I've been a big Sonic fan, you know, since uh, 1992 or so. Um, it, it's a game that really grabbed me. It's a series that has always grabbed me. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty opinionated on which games I like and which I don't. And it has nothing to do with how old the game is. Like I said, I, lock, I like Sonic Lost World. I like Sonic CD. I like Sonic 2. I like Sonic R. You know, there's a lot of just different random games that I really enjoy. And it isn't a specific period of Sonic that I think is better than the others. I think there's great games from every, genera- every generation of Sonic. Um... And I, I like it when they try and do new things. I, I don't want to play the same Sonic game over and over and over again. I want something different, something new, something exciting. So um, I was going to take a moment and just, for some reason, I felt like I needed to prove how big of a Sonic fan I am. So I probably own 30 or 40 different Sonic games from the Genesis, Game Boy Advance, Saturn. Uh, ev- ev- just I own a ton of Sonic games, but... I don't really feel like talking about 30 to 40 Sonic games or even showing it off and uh, trying to prove myself as, you know, some, you know, legit Sonic fan. So forget it. I'm not going to do it. Maybe some other time. Um, the last piece of news was uh, last week we talked about the Nintendo PlayStation um, the that Ben Heck had kind of tore open and started tinkering around with. And really cool, really exciting. We all learned a lot about the Nintendo PlayStation. And then uh, episode two uh, is all about trying to get that CD player to work. And basically, it's like 80 degrees in here and I don't have air conditioner. Um, Basically, he replaced some capacitors and then the CD-ROM drive started working again. Now, it wouldn't uh, play a CD. It would spin up, uh, but you couldn't like put a CD into it and listen to music. And the, the buttons on the top, like the, the CD player buttons, like, you know, play, pause, stop, eject, fast forward, rewind, uh, the LCD on there didn't really work either. So um, maybe that portion of the device wasn't as finished as the rest of it. I'm not sure, but... Uh, still really cool. If you, for some reason, still haven't checked out Ben Heck, uh, the Ben Heck Show channel on YouTube, uh, do it. There's a ton of great, awesome, um, just video game related content on there. A lot of non-gaming content as well, uh, but the video game stuff is really, really solid. And then uh, maybe even check out his website. Read some of those old Atari 2600 portable uh, kind of walkthroughs from a different era of the internet. Web 1.0, if you will. All right, so moving to the middle of the show is going to be uh, the, the, my favorite games from 1996. So this is episode 96. Let's talk about some of my favorites from 1996. This was actually a little harder than I thought. Um, I kind of what I do is I go to my website and uh, for every written review. So again, that those are all old uh, from 2007 to 2010, maybe, and then 2011 to the present would be the video stuff. Um, I always tag everything with the year it was released or the year it was released in America. Um, and then it makes it very easy. I can just click on that tag and see every game that I've got a strong opinion on released in that year. But it seems I haven't reviewed a lot of stuff from 1996. But uh, I've got some games here for you, starting with uh, one of my all-time favorites, Metal Slug for the Neo Geo. Uh, I own this on the Neo Geo CD. Um, I actually owned it for a long time. I had to sell it and then uh, reacquired it last year, I want to say, October of last year. And uh, I actually own the copy of somebody that's probably watching this video. So that's pretty cool. Um, But Metal Slug is a side-scrolling run-and-gun. And and it is my favorite uh, from that genre. Um, There is something really special about the controllers, the graphics, the enemies, and just the... 
The game is so freaking loud. There's so much happening on the screen at all times, and every single explosion is just insane. Again, it reminds me of Black, uh, the first-person shooter on the Xbox. Just a phenomenal side-scrolling uh, run-and-gun game. One of my absolute favorites, and it came out in 1996, um, and it's still gorgeous uh, to this very day. 20 years, I guess that would be. Kind of crazy. Uh, next would be Toy Story on the Sega Genesis. Um, this is a game I, one of the very few brand new Sega Genesis games I would have got back in the day. I think I got this in 1996 or 1997, brand new, shrink-wrapped. Um, I still own the box and I own the manual, but for some reason when I was a kid I threw out the, the cardboard tray. I did the same thing for the Jungle Book, weirdly enough. So I have these, like, pristine boxes with... <laughs> with, uh, with you know, no insert. Kind of a strange move. I don't know what I was thinking. It's also how I lost my Sega Genesis box. I had, uh, even back in 1996 or whatever, I was keen enough to save boxes. I did this for my Lego collection as well. Um, so six years ago when I dumped my Lego collection onto eBay, I sold them set by set and I had all of the boxes and all the manuals, which was pretty cool. Um, but I used the Genesis box for a Christmas present and then it got ruined. So now I don't have my original Genesis box. Just a totally weird, random thing to do with it. Um, but Toy Story, this really popped in my mind. Uh, GameSack, uh, last, this past weekend's video was about games that push the limits. And Toy Story on the Genesis, and I guess on the Super Nintendo, um, but I'm familiar with the Genesis one, really pushed the limits of the uh, Sega Genesis. And even though it was released in 1996, after no one cared about the Genesis, uh, it's still one of the most amazing Genesis games I've ever played. All right, I just had a brief, like, maybe it came out in 95. Looks like it came out in 95 in Europe and 96 in the U.S. Um, it was developed by Traveler's Tales, um, who we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but they're based in the U.K., I want to say, so that would be why it came out there first. Um, but uh, this is a side-scrolling platformer. I really dig this game. I accept the fact that it has some flaws, but it's still one of my favorite. Uh, some of the, the the character sprites are huge. The 3D effects in the game are awesome. There's a first-person a shooter level in it, which is pretty phenomenal with real hardware scaling. Absolutely crazy. The, the, just the best-looking Genesis game I've ever played uh, from a technical standpoint. Maybe not from an artistic standpoint, but I find the gameplay is actually really good. There's a lot of variety, and um, unlike something like, let's say, Wrath of Cortex, Crash Bandicoot, where some of the variety isn't as fun as others pretty much everything in toy story is a winner there's overhead racing uh third person racing a lot, a lot of different objectives and uh yeah just a really solid fun good sounding good playing uh it does get a bit oh there's even like a side-scrolling shoot 'em up level well you don't shoot but it is a side-scrolling flying level um really awesome music right from the film it's just a game i really dig um if you're into a more challenging though technically you know proficient uh, platformer that is one you should check out uh next would be the need for speed on the saturn now this came out in 1994 on the 3do 1995 on the playstation um, but I don't own that one um I do own it on the Sega Saturn Sega Saturn and 3do um the Saturn version in my opinion does edge out the 3DO version. Now, the 3DO version has a lot of awesome FMV, a terrific game, one of the best on the system, um, but I think the Saturn gameplay is a little more friendly, uh, the graphics are a lot better, and the steering is a lot less laggy. Though it's more arcadey, there's also less lag, and I find it a lot more playable. Um, but uh, in my opinion, one of the best racing games from that time. Now, 
playing it today, it's a little dated. Other games that came out on the PlayStation, um, you know, did things a little better. Hell, even on the Saturn, something like, um, you know, Sega Rally obviously plays a lot better. Um, but it is still one of my favorite games from 1996. I just, I really love that game. The very first Need for Speed. Um, next, Crash Bandicoot on the PlayStation. So the very first Crash game came out 20 years ago, which is pretty awesome. Um, this, I would, gosh... I don't know which Crash game I played first, whether it was 1, 2, or 3. I don't even know which Crash game I owned first. I'm just not sure. Uh, but this was a, a pretty big coup for Sony. This was um, a game that played totally different from Mario, and it played totally different from Sonic. And it really gave Sony... Uh, a, a, it really launched you know, the entire PlayStation brand. Here they are. They have their own mascot now. They have something that is pretty darn cool. And uh, just a really great game, you know. Uh, it did, you know, what it did really well. It took advantage of the PlayStation hardware instead of something like Super Mario 64, which had a very open world feel that maybe the uh, the Nintendo 64 wasn't quite ready for. Not to say it's not a great game, um, but that style of game really. It was hard to do. There wasn't enough power. So there's a lot of empty space in Super Mario 64. Crash Bandicoot keeps everything real tight and real narrow. Um, so it's the same amount of polygons, uh, but they're all right in front of your face. And it makes for a very cool, visually looking game. It's just a beautiful game. Everyone's played it. And then finally, a game I don't own anymore, and I'm starting to think I never will. This is Neo Drift Out on the Neo Geo CD. Uh, Neo Drift Out is a... Sort of isometric, sort of top-down rally racing game, and the very best one I've ever played. Um, people will ask me if this is better than uh, the, the drifting game. Gosh, what was it called? The rally game on the Jaguar, um, and it is. Neo Drift Out is one of the greatest 2D racing games ever made. Uh, there is just something insanely smooth about the way the cars drift around corners. And being a Neo Geo game, that means they're scaling. That means there's awesome music. That means there's good voice samples. It's just a beautiful, awesome arcade top-down drifting game. Now, I actually bought this brand spanking new. I put, um, I think it was on my Blackberry or something like that. I found a bunch of old photographs that I had taken I don't even know, 2009 maybe? God, it must have been before that, 2005? Just real old. I guess it was pre-iPhone, maybe 2006 or 7. Um, and I found that, oh, I used to own this game sealed. Of course, I unsealed it. Um, I did have to sell it a couple of years ago. Uh, the game goes for over $200 now, so I don't think I'll ever own it again. Um, it is cheaper on the MVS, I want to say, um, but I don't own an MVS, so the cost of entry there is still pretty high. But uh, the, one of the few, if not the only games that I really regret selling. Now I did sell it for a pretty chunk of, you know, money, three times what I bought it for, I'm sure. Uh, but it does kind of bum me out that unless I burn a copy, um, that I'm never going to own it again. So Neo Drift Out, Neo Geo, Neo AES, MVS, or CD, just a, a fantastic, awesome rally game. All right, it is just a really noisy day here um, in the studio, a.k.a. dining room. Um, plane just drove by, so uh, I live sort of near, not really near, I live in the vicinity of the EAA Air Museum in Oshkosh, and I want to say the EAA Air Show event, whatever, uh, is happening this weekend, so I'm starting to get a lot of air traffic uh, overhead 
uh, which is kind of neat, but kind of hard when you're trying to record a podcast. So let's go ahead and move on to the final segment of today's show, which is the cheap games. Now, uh, these collecting video games can be expensive, but it doesn't have to be. So the point of this segment of the show is to showcase a couple games I paid less than $5 for. Again, gaming doesn't have to be expensive. Uh, One now goes for over $5, and the other one is still under $5, and both are worth your time. So let's go ahead and start with the one that was cheap. So I paid $4.99 for this. This is Malice on the Xbox. Now, the prices on this are all over the map, uh, between $5 and as high as $12. I suspect that this... This was released by Mudduck Productions, not somebody like Electronic Arts uh, or Ubisoft. So I doubt many of these were made, and I doubt it was distributed all that well. And it was a game that by the time it came out in 2004, nobody cared about it anymore. Um, so I think there's low supply and low demand, and I think that makes the price fluctuate quite a bit. I suspect 10 years from now, this could be a $30 game easy. We shall see. Uh, but this is a platformer that was in development hell for a really long time. Uh, I played through it, I beat it, and I reviewed it, and it's a game I actually like quite a bit. It's not the world's perfect 3D platformer. This isn't, you know, Crash Bandicoot territory. This isn't Sonic Colors territory or even Mario 64 territory. Uh, but it is way above average, and I have no problem calling it good. And if you dig 3D platformers, I think you'll find enjoyment here, especially if you can score for pretty cheap. Um, but basically, you play uh, this girl who it's just a standard platformer. You have a weapon, some melee attacks, and you know you hit things, you jump on platforms. Uh, a few levels have some mild uh, puzzle solving, and you have eight different magic attacks or eight different magical abilities that either uh, can attack or give you some stat boosts or heal you and things like that. Just a real vanilla platformer. However, I think the presentation is really over the top. Uh, definitely has an Alice in Wonderland vibe to it with uh, some pretty bonkers colors and some pretty uh, crazy art direction at times. And then the music, uh, the soundtrack is really spectacular as well, uh, which pretty much every Argonaut game I've played has had an awesome soundtrack. So that's what really kind of pushes it over average for me is it, it is that presentation. And uh, yeah, Malice, if for some reason... You thought it was cancelled and never came out? Well, it did, and uh, it's pretty good. Also on the PlayStation 2. And then this is the game that is still cheap. This is LEGO Star Wars, the video game on the original Xbox. I paid four bucks for this. Now, I'm not super familiar with the LEGO uh, video games. I know there's a ton of them. I've even owned a bunch of them. Uh, This was made by Traveler's Tales, uh, who made Toy Story on the Genesis, along with Sonic R on the Saturn, a company that's always, to me, put out some pretty decent titles. Not revolutionary, maybe, but some pretty decent games. And now they've been making LEGO video games for a decade now, and people keep buying them because they're... They're just really good games. Not great, not epic, not the most amazing thing ever, but I've everyone I've played has pretty much been fun. So my adventure into the Lego-themed uh, video games, uh, I think with my DS I got Lego Indiana Jones, and then I have a Lego something-something on the PlayStation TV. It was a pack-in game. I haven't even played that yet. Um, but I've sat down. I'm almost done beating this game. Um, I was... It, was going to review it either last week or the week before. I haven't gotten around to finishing the game because I suspect that I'm going to have to play through it twice. Uh, once to unlock all the characters and then a second time to use those unlocked characters to discover new areas and things like that. 
Uh, what makes this game good to me and worth your time? One, it was the first Traveler's Tales Lego game, which to me is kind of historically cool. It's Star Wars, so that means you get to listen to awesome music, you know, for the six-hour runtime, which is pretty, pretty awesome, obviously. If you're into Star Wars, I, God, can you not like the Star Wars music? I can't imagine anyone not liking it. Uh, it's just really easy to sit down and let an hour melt away. There's nothing stressful about this game at all. It isn't very hard by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think you can get a game over. I think you just die and respawn, so it's really stress-free. Uh, multiplayer, so that means if you have a five-year-old kid, they can hop in and play and be having fun. And then if you're old, you can kind of appreciate some of the, you know, different uh, level designs, um, you know, trying to collect all of the pieces so you can build different sets. Um, there is some, you know, challenge there in exploring, finding different areas, noticing different little nooks and crannies in the level, figuring out which character can go where, stuff like that. It's just a really laid back video game to play all of them are uh, just real laid back and uh yeah so that's the first one uh one of these months i will play through it twice and, and give my full thoughts but if for some reason you haven't played a lego game do it they're all pretty it's a mellow easy fun game to play i can't imagine anyone not liking it um so kind of a throwaway pick there everybody knows those games are good but my first one that i'm actually going to beat so there's that so that brings us to the end of the show if you are watching this and you would like to listen to it like a normal podcast uh in the description will be a link to the rss feed the itunes link or the google play link um somebody keeps telling me i need to get this on stitcher um i know i need to get it on stitcher it used to be um, and then they took it down for some reason and I never bothered to bring it back. So I'll have to do a little more digging um, to figure out what podcast services people use and make sure that it's available for whatever you want. Um, if you are listening to the show and you'd like to see uh, you know, the show live, see my face, or watch any of the other great content I do every week, uh, check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash implant games. And until next time, guys, have a great week. <laughs>